0: Kentucky basketball picks up a massive win over North Carolina. It's Kentucky's second largest margin of victory in the series. We break down and analyze what happened within the game as well as talk about some of the momentum the Wildcats have heading into conference play. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You are locked on Kentucky. Your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on Into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, also host of On the Line on ESPN 1067 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama, also writer for USA Today for various SEC related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN college football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. All right, so over the weekend. Kentucky found an opponent. They played the North Carolina Tar Heels. This is something that we discussed on Friday's podcast. We did not know whether it would be Iona, because uh, Rick Patino was putting out a lot of different tweets, essentially begging, "Hey, come play us or let us travel to you. We want to see. We want to see some competition. We we will travel. We'd love to play you guys." Or we didn't know if it was going to be North Carolina, who was the uh, who was on the other side of the CBS Sports Classic. I believe they were going to play UCLA, and UCLA had COVID issues and they weren't able to uh, play. So North Carolina was looking for an opponent. So we did not know whether or not Kentucky was going to be able to work things out with the Tar Heels or with the Gales, but it ended up being North Carolina. Obviously, everyone knows it's a fantastic rivalry. Uh, it's a clash of blue bloods. It was going to be a really fun matchup. Brad Nessler was on the call. It was a great game for the Wildcats, obviously, as they dominated. Uh, it feel, felt like for the entire game, 98-69 to 69 was the final score. We're going to break down what we saw in the first half, what we saw in the second half, then we're going to talk about some of the momentum. Because honestly, heading into this matchup, if you listened to Friday's episode, we were sitting here discussing uh, the, it, the, the frustrations that are building within the program, right? The frustrations with the offense, the frustrations with the rotation, the frustrations with all the different things that were going on in terms of the uh, the inability to shoot the basketball, the inefficiencies on the offensive side. And I think that my mental state heading into what would have been the Ohio State matchup that eventually got canceled uh, because of COVID issues, my mental state was just extremely negative. About the team and just thinking, man, if uh, if they can't handle their business against Duke or Notre Dame, who is four and five by the right now, by the way, they lost to Indiana at home uh, just just a couple of days ago. If they can't handle business against legitimate opponents and they are struggling uh, in, in the first half against these uh, these teams ranked like somewhere between like mid two fifties to three hundred and fifty in the Ken Palm rankings, if Kentucky can't handle those guys and they can't finish against Notre Dame. What are they going to do against a team like Ohio State? What are they going to do when they get to SEC play? And how does this offense operate without Sheebway on the floor? Well, let's go ahead and break down some of the things that we saw in the first half. So Sheebway got actually a little into a little bit of foul trouble early on. Uh, because Kentucky was hounding the paint. They have needed, I feel like, to do two things. They need to take uh, better shots whenever they're shooting from three. I think they need to be taking more threes, and I also think they need to be getting more shots at the rim. I was reading something recently uh, by, uh, by a writer. I believe the, uh, the company name is Hoops Insight. Really fantastic stuff. Uh, you should definitely go check them out on Twitter and go see if you can find them. They've got some fantastic stuff. But he was citing different things, th- things in this article about the Kentucky offense. And two of the things that they don't do well is they don't take great shots from three, and they don't actually get to the rim despite being one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the country. And the article reflects reflected some of the frustrations that we've had on this podcast, which is settling for the mid-range jumper. It's not a great shot selection statistically. It's, uh, it's better off if you just take the extra step back see if you can knock down a three or see if you can get something inside the paint. We're talking about high percentage shots. And I know these guys are incredibly athletic on Kentucky's team. And I know that they're able and capable of doing things like hitting floaters, hitting fadeaways, hitting mid range jumpers, but it's not, efficient. And so one of the things that Kentucky needed to do, I felt like heading into this game was focus on the rim and focus on the outside shot. And they focused heavily on getting to the, uh, to the rim early on. And uh, they were very aggressive in doing so. And they were also very successful uh, in doing so. Severe Wheeler was incredibly aggressive in the first half, uh, easily MVP of this game. We'll talk about him a little bit more uh, later on in the episode. Kentucky also controlled the glass early. I believe at one point they had 11 offensive rebounds and, uh, and Uh, North Carolina had none it was a really impressive uh, showing in terms of effort uh, from the Wildcats on the glass and this is something that we've not necessarily seen on the defensive end we've certainly seen it on the offensive end uh, for for Kentucky but they were able to just kind of dominate, and that's really, uh, I think, the story of this game, and we'll continue to harp on that uh, as we move along. Uh, Bake It, Armando Bake took a lot of shots for North Carolina early, and he ended up actually shooting just a, a butt-ton of shots uh, for, for, um, for North Carolina as the game went on, Bakett finished with 22 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, was 8 of 13 from the field, 6 of 9 from the free throw line, and he was their offense essentially in the first half, and if, uh, if it wasn't him, then they re- weren't really getting uh, much else. They only had one other player uh, in, in double figures, And that was uh, R.J. Davis, their guard, who had 10 points and was 3 of 8 from the field. Uh, Kentucky did not really have great shot selection. I don't feel like in the first half, again, I think they did take a couple of those mid-range jumpers. And there were occasionally times on the fast break where Kentucky just settled for something that was just not uh, very... it, it, It wasn't the right decision, at least it felt like in my opinion. But let me say this, though. They made up for some of their their poor shot selection with actually making some of those shots, and then out hustling North Carolina, like I mentioned earlier, to get to the rim, and that was just it was just out hustling. It looked like Kentucky wanted to win more. It didn't really look like North Carolina wanted to be there, uh, and it was just it was um it was clear from the get go which team wanted the wanted to uh, to win more. Kentucky had aggressive ball movement up the floor again, not necessarily solid ball ball movement and transition, not necessarily really solid moving the floor, moving up and down the floor quickly. But Severe Wheeler leading the charge and getting to the rim just over and over and over and over again. And he's about 5'7", uh, I believe about 5'8", easily the smallest player on the floor. And he consistently was the one getting to the rim and finishing. Just incredibly aggressive. He also had a couple of steals. Just fantastic uh, fantastic night for Severe Wheeler. We're going to get to some of his numbers and stuff in just uh, a, a little bit. But it was also apparent in that first half, at least I noted, uh, that that North Carolina does not create turnovers very well, and this is something that we talked about on Friday's podcast, previewing the North Carolina Tar Heels if they got to play, and certainly they did. Uh, this is something that we talked about was Kentucky, North Carolina, Iona. Three things there uh, are three the the thing that they all the three of those teams have in common is that they do not create turnovers often on defense they use their length they use their athleticism they force teams late into the shot clock and at that point I mean it's just it's it's a a poor shot going up or it's um it's going in they don't really uh, create a lot of turnovers Do the North Carolina Tar Heels and it was very apparent uh because I don't want to say that that North Carolina lacked energy lacked motivation uh for the entire game I do not want to say that let me rephrase I think that there were for the majority of the game it felt like Kentucky just simply looked like they wanted it more because if Kentucky got out of sync in the half court offense if there was if there were like oh severe Wheeler almost turns the ball over or Davion Mintz couldn't handle something or Shebway was struggling inside early on or different things like that when the ball got out of hand North Carolina was not pursuing it. It's just not at all. They were letting Kentucky do whatever they wanted to. If somebody, uh, if there was a loose ball and somebody was going to go get it, it was going to be a wildcat. Uh, and uh, North Carolina, it was very apparent. It's like, oh, the reason these guys don't first force turnovers in the half court is because they simply don't go after balls. They just don't. And they didn't. And Kentucky you know, got offensive rebounds, and uh, they just knocked down their shots. It was it was just a tale a tale of uh, who wanted it more and being aggressive on the offensive end and getting rebounds. And that was essentially the story of the first half. The at the end of the first half, Kentucky led forty to uh, twenty nine. Again, Shibue got in foul trouble, picked up a couple of fouls before the under twelve timeout. He did have seven rebounds though uh, before before he was taken out. So he was at, he was a force inside to be reckoned with early on, and uh, Kentucky was again really aggressive at the rim. In the first half, we're going to talk about what I saw from the second half in just a second. Today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football and basketball props than anyone in the world, and they offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not have ever even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of as well, so in basketball you can play points, rebounds, assists, threes made, and more. All of the users making a deposit using promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Again, just be sure to use promo code lockedon when you do so. You can pick 2 to 5 players and an over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks also allows mixed sport entries, which means you can take the over on Joel Embiid and combine it with the under on Aaron Rodgers in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast fast withdrawal, so don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePicks, daily fantasy made easy. All right, so continuing along on the Monday edition of Locked on Kentucky. Again, thanks so much for making Locked on Kentucky your first listen every single day. Make sure to check out the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview 2021. Local experts, betting advice, and draft analysis. It is the most comprehensive college football playoff preview, and uh, you should definitely go and check that out. All right, second half impressions from... Kentucky's 98-69 to win over the North Carolina Tar Heels mentioned in the open. I want to say again, this is the second largest margin of victory for the Wildcats over the Tar Heels, 98-69. It was a 29-point victory, and uh, Kentucky was statistically dominant for the majority of the game. All right, North Carolina picked it up at the end of the first half at the under four timeout it was like a 15 to 20 point game somewhere around there and North Carolina was able to kind of pick it up and they were able to cut it to 11 uh, before before halftime hit 40 to 29 was the score at the end of halftime but what was the story in the second half immediately whenever C- Kentucky came out and they uh, they in the second half they started hammering away and they immediately got uh, they immediately got into the paint and they actually started taking some of the three uh, some threes Kellen Grady made a shot to open it up uh three point shot then Severe Wheeler uh got a two got a layup then Severe Wheeler got another layup uh Toppin got a uh, a dunk Severe Wheeler got a got a layup at the before the under 16 timeout then Shibway got into the action uh, and that was all before the under 16 timeout and then it was Fifty-five or to thirty-seven after it was uh, after it was forty to twenty-nine and things uh, quickly started to get out of hand for the North Carolina Tar Heels. But you notice there, you got your one three-point shot from Kellen Grady, and then you uh, then you have just, just Kentucky hammering the rim over and over and over. It was all severe Wheeler, at least most of the, most of the time. It was severe Wheeler. Severe Wheeler took fifteen shots. We've talked about his inefficiencies on offense. We've talked about him. In his uh, his struggle with the uh, foul line jumpers and how I really don't think that it's something that should be a part of his game. He was 12 of 15. He took 15 shots, he made 12 of them. Finished with 26 points, 8 assists, 3 rebounds, made both his free throws, had 4 steals, uh, and was just absolutely phenomenal for the Wildcats. Easily MVP of the game. We talk about asking how this Kentucky offense will operate Whenever uh, Oscar Shibue is not in the game, how do they operate? And I think getting your guards more involved in the offense is going to make yourself more balanced and it's going to make teams in the SEC respect you whenever she either comes out of the game or gets into foul trouble. And this also outside of rebounding and want to and and will and energy outside of those factors in this matchup. I think you also have to look at the way North Carolina's guards were playing and then how uh, Kentucky's guards were were playing. So severe Wheeler, obviously 12 of 15 from the floor, like I just mentioned. Mention Ty Ty Washington. We've talked about him getting more involved in isolation and then off off uh, passes. There's also in that hoops inside article that I was reading. He broke down the numbers between Ty Ty Washington whenever he is coming off the dribble and Ty Ty Washington whenever he is coming off like a pass, like a set play, like he's set and he's going to shoot. He is much much better whenever he is set and he's going to shoot or he's creating in isolation and uh, uh, by by himself. Uh, not necessarily trying to dribble around screens and different things like that. So we saw that more in this game. I feel like we saw him definitely spot up from three a couple of times, He made one of those. He was four of nine from the field, had nine points, four rebounds, four assists. And then Kellen Grady. Kellen Grady is somebody that should be way more involved in this offense than he is. He had a season high, or at least, or excuse me, he got close to a season high of 19 points, finished with 18 points on the day, six rebounds, one assist, was five of seven from three, and six of eight from the field. This is what Kellen Grady can do to you. He's shooting 44.2% from three on the year, 48% from the field. Those numbers are absolutely fantastic. We have to get Kellen Grady more involved in this offense. We have to get him more involved. With the minutes that he has, average what 31 32 minutes a game he has to get more involved in shooting the shooting the basketball when she is out when keon brooks is not having an efficient game whenever kentucky's forwards off the bench are not playing well they have to get the guards more involved severe wheeler's not a shooter ty ty washington is still a freshman this kid scored over two thousand points at davidson get him the ball and they did that in this game and he went off He is going to deliver this, night in and night out. He may have a game where he goes cold. He may have one. He may have two, but that's going to be it. You have to get this kid the ball more often, and he really showed out, I feel like, in the second half. Kentucky was absolutely flying in transition. We talked about them uh, not necessarily taking great shots in transition in the first half. I felt like they were a little better in the second half outside of maybe that last two- or three-minute stretch whenever uh, whenever the, um, the bench came in for Kentucky. I think they played really well in transition, and Wheeler continued to have his way at the rim. Shibway picked up his third foul early in the uh, second half but it did not matter he was uh, he went absolutely nuts in the second half so we mentioned he had no points or at least two points I believe in the first half and only uh, and seven rebounds finished with 16 points 12 rebounds and assist was seven of 12 from the floor picked up four personal fouls but it did not matter he still ended up going off and it was just attacking the rim over and over and over whenever Kentucky missed they get the rebound they kick it out they'd see if they could get a high percentage shot and they typically ended up in a three speaking of those threes, by the way. Kentucky, uh, as everybody knows, 2 of 19 in the game against Notre Dame. Shot absolutely terribly. We don't ever want to see that again. And I said on Friday's show, we were talking about, you know, how does Kentucky rebound from something like this? I said to you, that this was not going to be the end-all be-all, that Kentucky was just going to shoot terribly for the rest of the season. I said that we are going to see Kentucky shoot better in games to come. Did not expect it to be the very next game. They were 8 of 15 from 3, that's 53.3% from uh, outside the arc. Absolutely fantastic. Could not ask really for, for much more uh, considering this is a team that doesn't like to use their guards a lot. Uh, so it was really good uh, what we saw from from Kentucky in terms of shooting the three ball. On the flip side, talking about matchup issues, North Carolina, we discussed this on Friday's podcast as well, ninth in the nation in three-point percentage, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the entire land. They were shooting, I believe, 42% heading into this matchup. They went one of 13 from three. That's good for 7.7%. Now, I don't want to say that this was necessarily all Kentucky's defense, right? Although I do think that Kentucky's defense did play well, I don't think this was all Kentucky's defense. I feel like there were some shots that were left open, and North Carolina just simply did not knock them down. This is what was the frustration against Notre Dame. It's like, well, Notre Dame's hitting at their regular clip, and meanwhile, Kentucky's just gone completely cold. I said that the ro- the roles would eventually get flipped in future games, and here we are, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the entire country struggling. They couldn't hit anything. They hit one, excuse me. They hit one out of anything. It was just a really bad day for North Carolina. They were just cold, and honestly, th- given the circumstances, I understand why one of these teams would be cold. I just expected it to be Kentucky. Did not expect it to be North Carolina, considering how offensively potent they've been uh, so far uh, this this season. Okay, those are all the uh, the the takeaways that I had from this game. Again, really impressive performance in terms of want-to, in terms of rebounding, in terms of shooting percentage. Severe Wheeler and the guards playing really, really well in this game. Uh, it's just a, a very positive things to take away from this matchup. And we're going to talk about some of the mo- momentum that Kentucky is going to be building heading into conference play because I didn't think that this was possible. Did not think that this was possible given the slate that we had seen and given the fact that Kentucky had lost uh, to Notre Dame and to Duke. But now that we've seen them play against a legitimate opponent and not just play against them, blow them out straight up, uh, I think we've got some confidence heading into uh, SEC play. So we're going to talk about that momentum in just a moment. Today's show brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues its march into the playoff. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. So head over to our new updated or desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, and boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino game don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar, Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and very high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, both delicious and healthy with Built Bar. They've got so many flavors as well. You could have raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, and more. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. Throw one in your jacket or purse because you'll never know when you're going to need it. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked on Kentucky. Really appreciate you guys making Locked on Kentucky your first listen every single day. If you would please do so, go ahead and subscribe uh, to the podcast so that you get notified whenever the next episode comes out. All right, so we were discussing momentum just a moment ago. We were talking about what Kentucky can do with this heading into SEC play. I was a Debbie Downer on Thursday, on Friday. Whenever I got a chance to talk about basketball last weekend, or last week, excuse me, I was incredibly negative about the state of the program, the state of uh, what was going on uh, with these different players. Again, with the rotation, with the offense, just everything was in a lull. And uh, I was very upset with the schedule makers, and I still am. uh, for, For those of you out there that make these schedules, don't do what you did to Kentucky again. Don't do this again. Don't put Duke and Notre Dame sandwiched outside of just a very, just a poor non-conference slate. I mean, these, this, come on, y'all. Come on. If you want this team to compete, give them a, a, a better schedule. But anyway, I've complained about that enough on this show. Momentum. So, we were talking about on Friday, we are talking about last week, how does Kentucky stack up with Louisville, Missouri, who's not very good, but still, it's a better opponent than what Kentucky's faced between Duke and Notre Dame. Notre Dame. How do they play against LSU? Georgia just beat Memphis a couple of uh, or, or a week or so a week or so ago. How does uh, Kentucky play against Vanderbilt and their star player in Scottie Pippen Jr.? Tennessee, Texas A&M, Auburn, Mississippi State, Kansas. I mean, we, you, you can just roll down the list and ask ev- for every single one of these teams, how does Kentucky play against them given the fact that they just played so terribly against Notre Dame, who's four and five, statistically not that good in a lot of different categories. Well, I think this this game against North Carolina proves that they can't actually hang in non-conference play, or at least, it, or at least in conference play, excuse me, or at least it, it kind of verifies it for me uh, I don't know about you necessarily if you want to give your thoughts you can uh you can uh at the show on Twitter, at LockedOnUK. You could also uh, at me on Twitter, at DollPound. I prefer if you at me personally so that we can can talk there. If you have thoughts on what you think the SEC slate is going to look like for Kentucky and how you think the momentum is going to play out. But for me, I think it kind of, after the North Carolina game, kind of gives me some confidence heading into this Louisville matchup on Wednesday. And, man, we're going to have a fun time breaking that one down. Rivalry week. It's going to be really, really fun. And then we've got next Wednesday, obviously Missouri and then LSU. I think... That one now that you've beat North Carolina, now that you've gotten yourself some more confidence, you can beat Louisville or you know let, let, let's leave it up. You can play Louisville, you can play Missouri. You can play high point, and then you can go on the road to Number nineteen lSU who has found a way to win every single time they've stepped out on the onto the court. So last Saturday or this past Saturday, they were down to Louisiana Tech uh, by quite a bit, I believe, in the early going. They were down at one point twenty one to nine. Uh, in that contest, and they were able to fight back. Actually, it was there, there was a wider margin at, at some point early on in that game. They were able to fight back, and they were able to win that game, sixty-six to fifty-seven. This team knows how to win. This uh, this LSU team. They also know how to score the basketball, uh, scoring almost eighty points a game. They've beaten Penn State, Belmont, Liberty. Uh, they and, and like I just said, they just beat a legitimate team of Louisiana Tech. Uh, that they, they're going to be a very tough out. And I think that if you get the 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 three games in a row right there, Louisville, Missouri, and High Point, heading into this LSU matchup, you can continue to work on some things. And I don't think that Kentucky is going to take my word whenever I say, stop shooting two-point jumpers, shoot more threes, and get to the rim so that you can uh, get more offensive rebounds, as you've been known to do. They're probably not going to take my advice. Kentucky, Cal's probably still going to go with his four-forward lineup, uh, at random points, he's probably still going to have these really weird line lineups where you have to ask yourself the question, okay, who's controlling the offense? Who's the point guard here in this situation? He's probably still going to do things like that. He's probably still going to give the ball to Oscar Sheewe every time that down the floor inside, which, honestly, I don't blame him. They're probably still going to do the same things, but at least they get to kind of fine-tune those things against better competition because they've proven now, hey, we can hang with guys like North Carolina. Hey, we can hang with guys like Louisville. We can hang with teams like Georgia and Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. Now, the sandwich in between those matchups are games against LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn, obviously those are going to be difficult, but you can kind of build into those now with some momentum. And so I think that now, looking past this North Carolina game, I think there's some positive ways to perceive the way that the program is heading. I think there's po- some positive ways to s- perceive the way that it's being run and how the offense specifically is being run. Again, if... Kellen Grady continues to get the ball more. If Ty Ty Washington is used properly, if Severe Wheeler continues to shoot well, he's not going to every single night, but it'd be nice if he continues to do what Cal is asking him to do is lead. Whenever you don't make baskets, lead. Whenever you do, lead. That's what he's being asked to do. If he can be able to uh, play well within his role. Scott Oscar Sheewe cannot get in foul trouble early on I think this team is definitely setting themselves up uh, for a lot of success down the road so really excited to see what could potentially happen in the future over the course of these next three games all right that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK you can follow me on Twitter at Dawn Pound I will see you all tomorrow everybody go Wildcats and God bless